You're listening to Tabletop Genesis, a podcast by Genesis fans for Genesis fans. Hi there, this is Mike Lord. And Tom Roche. And we are here as Tabletop Genesis to discuss the recently, I won't, don't want to say completed, but for us, it's been completed, the Peter Gabriel <laughs> Tour. Yes, we are now on the other side of all these releases and have heard them in concert. We don't need to remain spoiler-free anymore. Exactly. We are full of spoilers, as will this episode. So yes. if you are on the tail end of this tour and have not seen it yet, I think there's only a few more shows, maybe Wisconsin and... Uh, yeah, Wisconsin and Los Angeles and maybe one or two other shows, maybe something in Vancouver, I think. So, you know, it seems more like West Coast things are happening now. Right. If you're on that coast or on a, haven't seen the show or just want to wait, wait in the hope that he'll tour next year and do the same basic <laughs> thing, hold off on this episode because we will be chatting away. Yes, I mean, when he... Just look forward to it if you don't want it spoilers. Uh, just, you know, when he does his Genesis set list. Oops, sorry. Oh, oops, oh, yeah. oh <laughs> never mind about that. So. so, so Tom, what was your general impression of the show? You, we we were both at Philadelphia. That's yes. what we saw together, although we weren't seated together. And you were going to go to Madison Square Garden, but that fell through and everything. So I went to Madison Square Garden also. It's hard to be disappointed in a Peter Gabriel show. I mean, even if they don't play all the songs you want, the visuals, his relationship and his discussions with the audience, and it's just, you can't not have a good time. I mean, he puts on a great show. He's got a stellar lineup of musicians, yeah, old-time musicians that he's played with for decades, some new people up there who did an amazing job. And I, I think we'll call out one particular of course. as we discuss the set list, but... I had a, a great time. Do I have some issues with some of the numbers he played? Yes. But overall, I said my my impression was that I, I had a good time. I enjoyed it. Yes. Same here. I think that I really enjoyed the show. I thought the presentation was great. I thought that the the video wall of different segments was reminiscent of Genesis's video wall of different segments from 2021-22. I also thought that his mirror use of mirrors was reminiscent of Genesis 1978 from, and then there were three mirror tours. <laughs> right. So uh, again, but a good idea nonetheless, whenever it was from or wherever it was from, because I think that, you know, using Gabriel's never been a huge, like tons and tons of very lights and stuff like that, like Genesis has been, but he's very good at working with his partners to create a very artistically interesting stage show. I think in some ways, maybe more artistically interesting than the Genesis stage shows because the Genesis ones, while they've certainly used the video walls and kind of have done different things with that, it tends to be a bit more straightforward and, and Gabriel tends to be both straightforward and abstract at the same time, which might be again, a bit more artistically interesting. It's just going to get, better and better and i hope that doesn't mean more expensive and more expensive for <laughs> concerts because you look at just what can be done now compared to 20 years ago like when roger waters toured the wall back in mm -hmm. 2010 2012 
that was the most amazing use of visuals combined with music that I'd ever seen and still have, have yet to see anything that lived up to that. And then when you look at the sphere in Las Vegas just opened, okay, it's that round, it's the biggest enclosed dome theater on the outside. It's all led. And like, it, it makes these like amazing images just from the outside and you too has a residency right there. Oh, and right, I've seen right. some online video of what it looks like inside. And it's amazing. Like nothing you've ever seen done with a concert before. So hopefully this portends what's to come with the visuals and artists. It's just unfortunate. I mean, Peter's really explored it as much as he could during his career. It's just amazing that what technology is going to be coming in the next few decades that, you know, I'm sure he would have loved to have been part of, but you know, you work with what you have at the time and he has been an in- innovator exactly and and he won't be touring as a 120 year old going <laughs> no. out there i i don't think no matter how long longevity may stretch us out for i don't think he's going to uh i don't think any of us will be getting to that advanced age anytime soon so. yeah but you go see taylor swift in five years it's going to be unbelievable <laughs> I, I think you've already bought your tickets right uh yes i'll be going next june in wembley there you because go. Because of my so, because of my daughters, not because of me. But. You make whatever excuses you need to make. I'm sure. <laughs> so it's a, it's a good reason to go to London Town too. I'm sure. But th- but there were certain songs. Uh, we'll probably get to them where he incorporated some visuals, which you know I had not seen before used, and I thought they were very because we hadn't seen this concert, we hadn't seen spoilers. It was a question of like. What songs is he going to do, and how is he going to present this visually? Right. And there were surprises both ways, like, oh, I'd never seen that done before, or that was really imaginative, what he did with this song. Yeah. Like, I knew that there was going to be an acoustic-ish set at some point, but I didn't know if it would be kind of, you know, in the middle of the set to start things off the way that he did on the Back to Front tour. It ended up being right at the start, and I enjoyed his both pre-show chat and then his intros during the course of the evening, both to give the new songs a bit of context, which again, I think that because we've been watching these full moon videos, we kind of understood where he was coming from. I still wonder if somebody went in blind, not having listened or watched any of those full moon videos when he starts talking about, Oh, this next project I'll be working on about, know somebody locked into their brain type of thing and people just go (laughs) what is he talking to like next project like i didn't even know he had a a project now that he was doing so you know there's there's a lot of those type of things that i think the audience may have been surprised by but i was as a general comment of both shows i was very impressed by how much the audience was with him for the entire show like at least in my sections there weren't a bunch of people going what the hell is all this new stuff? Why is he playing this? I want to hear, you know, Intruder or I Don't Remember or That Voice Again or whatever. There was, like, people really listened to the new stuff. It, it did feel that, at least for the show I saw in Philly, that people were really engaged and just, I think, happy to be there and happy to see Peter, that he's yeah. still out touring. I don't know if you hear those sirens or not. Yes, they were coming to get you there. <laughs> well, and, and don't get me wrong. The old songs definitely got a bigger reaction than any of the new songs did. Yes. But that's normal. That's at any concert. You're going to get that. Well, I think it's a good place to start. You were talking about the, uh, yeah, the first two songs. I, I think we're going to talk about the first set because yeah. he divided yeah. the show into two was Washing of the Water was the opening song where I think it was yes. just him and Tony. 
and then the band joined kind of halfway slowly through. but yeah and i that's one of my favorite songs washing the water so the fact that he brought that out he didn't bring it out in the last tour maybe he did i can't remember or the back to front maybe he played right. it in the acoustic I, but i love that song so the fact that they opened with that that was a very nice surprise for me and i really got into that and i think you would mention that as a song that you really would have liked to hear and I don't know if I said it out loud, but I, in my head, I was trying to like, well, that's not going to happen. And then it was the very <laughs> first song. And I was like, oh, well, look at that. I, like, I was both surprised in general and happy for you that that it was, you know, right up front and everything. From that, he went into growing up, which was a different, you know, obviously because it's just the, I don't know, what, eight or nine of them on the stage, yeah. just sitting in like a campfire, as yeah. he called it, a little campfire. And I think they even had like a little mock yeah, they did. fire in front of them. I would have picked a different song from Up other than Growing Up. It's 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 fine, but you know, if I had to choose, I probably would have picked like More Than This or even mm. what's the other one that I love? Sky Blue. Okay, sure. Growing Up was fine, but it wouldn't have been my first choice. It, it was an interesting one to do, again, I'll say acoustically, although there were certainly electronic instruments in all those, in those first two songs. basically strip a stripped down version of it i was intrigued by a stripped down version of such a produced song and they were able to replicate it pretty well in a kind of sitting around the campfire kind of way i mean it did they did do a good job of representing it and yeah and it definitely helps when you have kind of you know a number of people on stage who can do vocals to help with the backing mm. vocals and everything 
it was a good mix. And I, I'll say throughout both shows that I saw, the sound mix was pretty solid. There wasn't a lot of, you know, oh, I can't hear this bit or I can't hear that bit or anything like that. It helped, especially on the second show at Madison Square Garden, that I was basically almost sitting right next to the soundboard, which is always <laughs> always a good locale to be in for sound-wise at those shows. Right, because then if it's not up to your standards, you can just lean over and tell the guy. Oh, yes, you know, exactly. Or, you know, could you turn, you up, turn up <laughs> <laughs> Turn up Peter. So, and then he know. slaps your hand away from the board. Exactly. Don't touch. <laughs> Let me twist that knob. Let me do that here. So, yeah, so we, we got those. And then... We, we, for listeners, we're basically going to go through the set list in order based on the Philadelphia set list, which was a pretty standard kind of your, if you're going to any of these shows during the course of the tour, this is most likely the set list you're going to Right. Get. I said, oh, that was the default set list. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I will say the only difference at in New York City was that right before Beepo, we all sang happy 99th birthday to Jimmy Carter because he was talking about a bit about the elders and things like that. And he's been plugging away there. So, you know, that's, you don't, you don't get much more elder than nine. No, exactly. <laughs> that, that certainly counts. So, uh, that was a nice little moment. So it was, uh, it was good to, uh, have something like that. So, but then we jump into in the first set, the first of the new songs and the first song that we actually heard released, which was Panopticon. Yeah, I like the visuals. It was kind of like a video camera view of as if like they were being watched, uh, which is the whole Panopticom, you know, yeah. where everybody watches everybody. And I think it did have, you know, the chorus delivered, which I think we talked about when this first came out, like that's something that people would even by the second repeat possibly be either humming or singing along to if they didn't know the song before. Right. And uh, yeah, I thought the visuals were very good. And, and this is one that I wanted to hear live. I think this was a good choice to, he played a lot. <laughs> we'll yes. talk about it. I broke it down by numbers later, but uh, this was one that I thought was a good concert piece and came across well. Yeah, same here. I thought that it was, and it was a good introduction to the new music. And I do, again, I, I have to wonder how many people came into that thing, even with it being billed as IO, the tour itself and everything. They were like, oh, I don't know this song. What is this from? You know, it's it's like how many people 
really did go into this blind. So I thought that it was a great live version. Like you said, I really liked the video display of this. And I will say at one moment in Philadelphia, I actually thought they were playing with the images and I thought that they had de-aged Gabriel at one point, but I think it was actually maybe just a quick shot of the the female violin player who, you know, just with the hair and everything, right. it looks like kind of selling England era Peter Gabriel just in a quick cut. And I was like, oh no, that wasn't there. But it would have been a clever thing too to kind of manipulate those images a bit more too in real time and see what could be done with, with AI or any other type of, of, uh, of stuff there. So Knopfkam, thumbs up. But then we come to four, but then, you know, maybe that implies <laughs> what I think. We come to four kinds of horses, which again, I think when we talked about this as a studio release, not one of our favorites, and you're probably in the bottom half of the of the newer tracks, still was there in the live performance, but I will say seeing it twice live, I liked it better the second time. Again, whether that's just more familiarity with it. I still really liked the end of that song more than the intro parts of it and the first half of it. It was probably my least favorite of the new songs played live, and I was glad they got to it very early on. I didn't have the option of, or you know, <laughs> the advantage of seeing it a second time to like it more. The first time, like I, I wanted to see what he would do with it. I can't remember what he did with it in concert. I don't remember what visuals and, you know, it was fine. But again, one of the new songs that I figured wouldn't, didn't need to be played. Yeah. Or they or you know, he's playing them to, to play them because this is all new stuff and it's exciting for the band. So it's not that he doesn't, he feels that he needs to play it, which is fine. I, if I had to choose between, let's say five or six of the new songs he played, this wouldn't have made it. Right. It is the type of thing where I'm like, Oh, I could see, I could see why Gabriel likes this song. Like I, it is, it's not bad. It's just not my, my, not my cup of tea. And, but I, I was happy that it was, you know, done early on. And like I said, it may grow on me over time. We'll see how this happens when the mythical album finally gets into our hands. <laughs> uh, and then from that, he went into the third new song, IO. So yes. another one that we have heard before, what was new to being played in concert. And again, this was another thumbs up for me. I think this is a very fun song. Yep. Uh, I think the visuals were very positive and I can't remember what they were. Was it an earth or <laughs> I'd have to see the show. You, you saw it twice. Yeah, Do you remember what you they know, were for this? It's, you know, I don't recall specifically. And I was just thinking as you were talking about it, going like, Oh, I hope I don't have to remember what, what the visuals were because while I remember a lot of the visuals, I don't necessarily remember what they were associated with. I will say this is one of the tracks that after both shows was kind of stuck in my head for a little bit. And so I think that's a good thing because even being familiar with the music, it wasn't something that, you know, I could imagine new, new listeners hearing a track like IO and having that stuck in your hat in your head during the intermission and leaving the show at the end having that kind of be like, oh, that was a good new song. I was happy to have heard that. Yeah, that seemed to be a, a crowd pleaser again for even those who might not have been familiar with it. And it's got yeah. a catchy chorus and just happiness and joy on the stage. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I, I think a lot of the new stuff was, a lot of the up stuff that was new, the band was obviously really into it and they were all kind of 
there was a lot of joy on stage during these songs. And I think that it really came through. And I think that helped with the audience digesting the new music too. But then we come to the first of the quote unquote older songs, which is, you know, two albums ago at this point with Digging in the Dirt. It's only 31 years old. So. Yes, exactly. So, and, and again, something I was with our uh, podcast friend, David Priest, who has guested on the show before you and a, a, another friend were sitting separately and where David and I were sitting, somebody in front of us actually said during, at the start of digging in the dirt, Oh, I, I'm sorry. Is it okay if I stand during this show, this song? And our David particularly <laughs> was amazed that it was the first time that somebody actually kind of asked if it was okay to stand. I was like, yeah, sure, go for it. That was very nice of that person. Yeah, it was. So that person, if you're listening, kudos to you. So you were polite and asked about standing because she was very into digging in the dirt. And again, got a great reaction from the crowd. It was a great version of it. I really liked the song. So as kind of the first of the full band, you know, rock band versions of an old song, it really worked and it and Gabriel didn't do his classic kind of like have a, a webcam on his head, kind of have something to put up on the screens, but there was a lot of imagery of rotting fruit and rotting food <laughs> during this one, which goes in with the with the claymation of the video from what I remember. So the visual presentation of this echoed some of the older presentation of it and worked really well. I, I really liked this. Well I, I did stand up for this song as well. Yeah. But it was to go use the men's room. Uh, <laughs> early on, your <laughs> this first was, pee this break. Was, this is my first pee break. I like Digging the Dirt. Speaking of, I mean, bigger picture, we still have yet to talk about Us as an album. 
Ah, that's true. So, you know, that, that'll be coming in 2024, probably. Yes. Uh, we've never really talked about tracks from that album and what our thoughts are on them. Uh, I do like Digging in the Dirt. For me, there's something about it where it's become predictable in my mind, and so I, I know what I'm going to get. So I figured sure. it was a good time to take a pee break. One, because I didn't want to miss a new song. Yeah. I was okay going during a song that I've seen played live, and because it was this song, it was fine. And I made it back. You know, Men's Room was empty. Right. <laughs> Pretty much. So I made it back for, I think, the second half of the song and I enjoyed it. And I think either Mike Flavin, who was my concert mate, or you had said that it seemed to be a little bit harder version of it. Yes. Like harder yeah. guitars, which which I liked. So I, I did enjoy when I got back to it. But if if I had to choose a song from us, I would have preferred Come Talk to Me. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I could see it as an emotional song with a real connection to it. I agree with you. I think that that would be a more powerfully connective song. But just as a piece of rock at the start of the show, totally fine with, with yeah, Digging the, in the Dirt. Although I do think, again, well, whenever we do cover us, it, it, we can go more in depth to it. I do wish there was like another bit in the song that just gave it a little bit more contrast. Not a quiet bit or something like that, but it's very much verse-chorus-verse-chorus verse, type, of, type of arrangement. I think that's what I was trying to get at. Like, yeah. Yeah, a little bit more variety. Yeah. But that's why I was fine using it as my first pee break. Yeah. No, totally, totally understandable. And you've, <laughs> and you've seen him play that song live before, which. I yes. Yeah. So it's several times. Like you said, it's not something that it's you didn't leave during a new track like we we and the audience, I think we're all willing to be convinced by the new material, which mm-hmm. is really nice. I also want to point out that I was happily surprised by the age range of the audience too. Like there was really a good, uh, it was certainly probably majority older folk, but there was a good solid percentage of younger people there too, who were not there with their parents and, (laughs) or at least not apparently there with their parents. And I was really happy about that too, that, that Gabriel has, you know, that cachet to bring in a bit of a mixed audience, whereas sometimes these older acts, uh, Genesis certainly had a mix too at the shows we went to, but it was, I think maybe even more so than Genesis. There were, there were more younger people there. I enjoyed it. From Digging the Dirt, he did another slate of three new songs, yep. starting with Playing for Time. Yep. Which was great. Oh, all the moments 
Which I loved. I thought yeah. that was fantastic. I loved it when we heard it months ago. And when he started playing it, I was very excited. And this was one that I think came across just as well in concert as it did in the studio. Yeah, yeah. a good kind of quieter song. And having heard it, the, the demo version live a number of times, and then have the studio version and then get this live version. It's a song that is both perfectly placed in the set and really kind of gives you a sense of the theme for the evening, I think, was, you know, there was a lot of time stuff in these songs and it really, it really worked for me. So I was happy to have heard that. And there's a lot of very quiet moments in the song. So it's, it's one where you kind of do have to sit and listen to it. You can't be, you know, talking to your neighbor or seatmate, you know, and I didn't hear any of that. I didn't hear anyone talking in between this and his voice was very strong in the song, which I like because when it's just him and the piano, like you can't rely on backing vocals or other music if your voice is not strong enough where it needs some kind of accompaniment. So it it was just him and the piano and that I thought was a really strong moment. Yeah, and at both shows, I would say his voice was pretty strong. It was pretty on on point both evenings. So no no issues on that front. Yeah, for Playing for Time, Olive Tree, another up song, one of my favorites of the evening of the new tracks and everything. It really kind of gave the oomph that the song that the, that the song needed and put it forward in a really good way. So again, it's it's a song that I think that if if you were going in blind, this song and playing for time also would carry you along with it so that you weren't kind of going like oh, I don't know this song. What is this? Yeah, and the, the visuals I think this may be the one where it was like the green and blue, like uh, kind of matched the artwork of the single when it was full moon release. Again, a a nice change of pace from the song before it, where like, you know, now people are ready for something a little bit more up and actually can't think of the chorus to the song in my head right now, but it was one, it's, it's a, it's a happy song. It's an up song. And Yeah. yeah, it was good. You could tell from their actions on stage that they were enjoying it too. Yeah. And then we actually came to the first of the tracks that were not released at the time, but now has been released. And we recorded a show on this yesterday. So you probably just listened to that one. And it was This Is Home. And, hmm. <laughs> yeah, how did you like this live hearing it blind? <laughs> I was interested, obviously, because, you know, this was something, a brand new song that I hadn't yeah. heard before. I didn't know any visuals associated with it. And I think it was fine. I think there were three songs that he played that hadn't been released by the time we saw this. And I think of the three, this was my third favorite. Okay. And it was fine. It was like a simple song that goes through the motions. Nothing stood out for me, stood out for it for me at the time. And I can't think of anything. I'd I'd maybe have to watch some YouTube videos of this to, to refresh my brain. Yeah. I'd say like, I, I liked the groove of this. I thought it was a good kind of, you know, and I talked a little bit about this on, on the, about the studio version, but it had a really great feel to it. And at the end of it, I was like, oh, I'll look forward to hear the, the studio version of this. And like I said, I think it's of the new songs, it's in the high middle of everything. And so it's not my favorite, but it really kind of played, it played well enough where it was in the set. 
I got, I got a kick out of the visual visuals of different home related things. One was a home right off of a dock, and there were a lot of one that was just like shelves of uh, shelves of books, like many bookshelves. And I was like, hey, Peter likes books too, <laughs> and you know that was just a little a little happiness that I was like, oh, okay, you know, Peter Peter's into this good stuff. I enjoy this. So I was I was happy with the visual presentation of this also. For, for the two shows, I, I mentioned before at the Madison Square Garden shows, I was kind of, you know, in the back of the floor, a bit raised up by the soundboard. On the Philadelphia show, I was kind of right on the, on the side, probably like a section or two from the stage. And so there was two different vantage points, both very good. And I think that when I think about it, most of my memories of the shows, when I think about them, I don't want to say most, but probably the majority of them are from the Madison Square Garden perspective, kind of the full-on straight view of the stage, whereas Philly was more of a, a bit from the side, so it could still see everything, but it was just a different mm. perspective on the show. Well, from there, we went on to uh, a little song called <laughs> Sledgehammer. Exactly. So. <laughs> Which might have been one of the biggest crowd pleasers just for the casual fan who, honestly, I think after 86, when 86, 87, when he exploded, I think the casual fan, obviously they knew some stuff from us, but I honestly don't think they probably would have been familiar with Up or anything after that. So for me, anybody who's just a casual fan, they might have stopped around. 92 93 right yeah and just have thought that maybe he was just coming back out of not retirement but after a long period of not playing so i think even songs from up would have been unknown to them right so i think i think a song like sledgehammer really brought it back to the basics of their peter gabriel knowledge and you know it's a fun show everybody's up on their feet well and and the casual fan the last show that they might have seen from gabriel might have been either the Back to Front tour, which was basically so and kind of not necessarily greatest hits of older stuff, but kind of a, a mix of decently known older stuff. And then maybe the Sting and Peter Gabriel show, which right. was, you know, not again, not necessarily only popular stuff, but it definitely leaned towards the songs that it was like, oh, everybody knows this. And, that, and those Sting and Peter Gabriel shows ended with Sledgehammer. So great end of the first set because it made me go oh this now won't end either the second set or be plugged in as an encore it was a show at at both shows everybody was on their feet for it it was you know again it's it's a predictable crowd pleaser and i am 100 percent okay with that (laughs) i was too and and i don't know if i was more excited to hear that or that there was an intermission 
(laughs) (laughs) At my age, I take bathroom breaks now. Sure. Yeah. Which, which I, again, my, I, I am of two minds of this about intermissions at rock shows. Like I get that it is good both for the band and the audience to have time for a pee break or to buy some snacks or some merch or whatever. It's like I get from both a business and a reality perspective why it's there, but I do think it kills the momentum of the show. It's it's I can hard see that. to do that. And I would almost say like Sledgehammer maybe could have worked also as an intro back into the second set to get people engaged again, to get to do something really up and and engaging. Not that darkness isn't engaging, because darkness, which opened the second set was a really good song but i think that there could have been a different way to introduce it but yeah so that's that but that's my opinions about about intermissions at rock shows like i was <laughs> i was very happy that there was no intermission at the genesis shows because i thought there might have been i mean i was fine with that only because there hadn't ever really been an intermission at a right. genesis show whereas i think peter has had them before or at least breaks between yeah, between like like on the back to front tour, it was almost like here's this. There wasn't an intermission, but it was like here is now this segment of the show, and here's that segment of the show. Right, exactly. So, yeah, like I said, I'm I'm not gonna lose any sleep over this. I just prefer not for there not to be an intermission. But it is what it is. I have decent bladder control too. So, <laughs> so now that we reached the end of the first, I think we're gonna look at some viewer mail. Yeah. And then something spoke, and this is what it said to me. You got mail, baby, yeah. And also, we wanted to give a shout-out to some listeners who we met. Yes. At Philly and or New York. I think you yes. met some of both. But, I did. Uh, in Philly, we were had a pre-meetup. It was Mike, uh, our other friend, Mike Lord, and then David Priest, who has been on the show before. <laughs> our other friend, Mike Lord? Our other friend. Oh, oh Mike Flavin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, too many Mikes. And then David, I'm, I apologize if I'm pronouncing this wrong. David Logi Sigurdsson, Sigurdsson. For not uh, speaking Icelandic, I think that's pretty good. <laughs> he came by. Uh, so, hi, David. Thanks for coming by and saying yeah. hi. We got to chat about you know our expectations for the show and yeah. a little bit what he does because he works in D.C. and our friend David works in D.C. So, it was nice to see him. And then you also met up with someone Yes, at Philly, it was uh, Armin Jabroni. And I, I'm, again, I'm horrible with names and everything. And I should actually look at my phone so I can make sure to pronounce everybody's name correctly. But Armin's a longtime listener of the podcast and saw him after the show. And also, I don't know if Margie listens. There was a woman, Margie Helfant, who I met up with too, and her friend that was good to see everybody. But it was great to meet Armin. I believe I posted a picture of of us up on our Twitter feed and probably can do that on blue sky now too, that I have blue sky for the podcast. Yeah. It's always nice to connect with people who, who have either corresponded with us over Twitter or Facebook or whatever it might be, or have emailed us and everything. So glad to have connected with a couple of folks at New York. We met up with uh, actually somebody, I think Tom, who you've connected with a bit more, Charlie Neeland, I think that I'm getting the name correct there. Neeland or Nyland. I... Yes. And he told me the name. And I, I want to say it's Neeland, but that, I could be wrong about fine. that. So, so Charlie, I'm, I apologize if I'm getting your name wrong also. He is a local musician here in New York. And also there's actually something going on. He was with a friend named uh, Joe McGinty, who has a band called the Loser's Lounge. 
and they do like theme nights of different artists music and they have like it's a core band but there's usually a different singer for each track and we've seen them tom do their queen night i I wasn't there no we saw that in in jersey city remember oh that was that band at whitehall yeah yeah whitey to hall yeah so (laughs) yeah that was all right yes that was a that was a tough night for me (laughs) (laughs) but the um that show tough night because you might have had a bit too much to drink just a little bit yeah all right we'll leave it at that the i didn't want to say because of the music right? <laughs> i wanted to be clear no it was a great show i remember it being a fantastic you know presentation of queen songs right. but i mentioned that because uh, and also i remember i saw them do their andy williams night the uh the, from songs from the muppet movie and things like that and other andy williams tracks and some other times that they perform too and they're always a good time and the paul williams you know, probably. Yeah. I'm again, sorry, Mr. Williams. <laughs> You're right. It is Paul Williams. And Andy Williams, I think is a country singer, if I remember right. Well, he, so. he did a lot of standards. My mom and oh, I danced okay. to one of his songs at my Aww. wedding. Well, there you go. A little bit of history there. So yes. you didn't dance to like a Peter Gabriel song or something like that. Did no, we did have Genesis. But... We did have Genesis played. Okay. Oh, that's good. So I bring this up because Charlie was like, oh, this is my friend Joe. And I was like, oh, he looks familiar. And then they started talking about music. And it was like, oh, you're the Joe McGinty who does Loser's Lounge. And he's like, yeah, we're actually doing uh, Peter Gabriel versus Phil Collins night, which is not really a, a versus. It's more just tracks from each of their careers and Genesis stuff at Joe's Pub here in New York in mid-October. And I think you and I, Tom, managed to snag some of the last tickets available for this. So if you're in the New York area and are interested in going, take a look at the Joe's Pub website. But I think that if it's not totally sold out at this point for mid-October, mid to late October, there's probably very minimal tickets left. So, But if anybody is going to any of those shows, we're going to the late show on Thursday evening, the first of three nights they're doing and right on the 19th yeah and if this is successful maybe they'll do this again or do some other kind of you know genesis related material so you never know with these things so i just uh again it was great to meet people and actually charlie who we met is going to be singing one of the songs on that peter gabriel versus collins night but i told him not to tell me which song he was going to sing because i wanted it to be a surprise yeah i'm looking forward to this is maybe the first time they've done this. I, I don't. Yeah, the, I don't think they've ever done a, a, a kind of Gabriel or Collins together or separately before. So I'm looking forward to it. A yeah. mix of Gabriel, Collins, Genesis stuff. Yep. The other person I wanted to give a quick shout out to is Wendy Hill. She was at Stout but couldn't find oh, okay. you guys. So okay. she posted on Facebook saying, I'm here at Stout. And unfortunately, oh. I, I didn't make it that night. But I told her next time. She's in the city and, you know, she actually lives outside the city, so it's not easy for her to get to shows in the city. But next time we'll meet up and say hello. Wendy, I apologize profusely. (laughs) I should have posted on Twitter or Facebook exactly where I was. We were actually sitting at the bar. It's funny. It's always a bit more crowded there than I think it's going to be. And whenever I and when we walk in, they're always like, oh, do you have a reservation? And I'm like, I always forget that they take reservations for places at this uh, for tables and everything but we don't even know how many people might show up from the podcast yeah that's tough so So we just kind of congregate at one of the tables by the bar yeah so wendy again my apologies for for not not making myself more apparent and everything but i hope you enjoyed the show because you know i think that it was a really solid show all around 
So what are some of the ma- mail or messages that we've gotten about this tour, Tom? I don't think I have any specific. If you do, I was trying to collect some before the show, but most of them were of the same kind of sentiment. This It was amazing. It was great to see him after all these years. Yeah. I think there was only, and all the negative, not all, not that there was a lot, but like the one or two, which kind of gave a little critique of it. They were all passed upon by the people who had positive comments. They were like, how could you say that? You know, this is blah, blah, blah. Like, I think you're allowed to express negative opinions. I mean, people loved the set list. People didn't love the set list. People loved hearing this song. People didn't. I mean, just as you and I talk. So we don't hate Peter Gabriel. No one hates <laughs> Peter Gabriel. Who's right. <laughs> yeah. No one's being forced to go to the show. I mean, well, maybe some parents or kids are. But, yeah. no, you know, overall, people aren't being made to go to the show against their will and they're going to love parts of it. They yeah. might not love parts of it. And you're allowed to express, you know, some displeasure if you didn't like a song or if you yeah. wish you would played that. So it's, yeah. You know. Like I always say, it was all great. I had a great time at both shows, but it doesn't mean that there aren't things that I would tweak or change about it either. I think that's just being a fan of something is that you always want your own tailored experience for that. I do want to read one tweet that we got that was, uh, yeah. hi, are you looking for a loan to either increase your activities or to carry out a project? <laughs> oh, wait a second. This is this is crypto spam that we got there. So Nice. And, uh, but I will correct my pronunciation. Armin Jerome is uh, Armin's name. I mean, now it's come up here. I will also mention that because we put this out on Twitter and this, this episode was a bit delayed because Tom and I both got COVID. And yes, and another person we were with also got COVID yeah. at the Philly show. So. so we so we kind of figure that either one of the three or four of us was the transmittal to the others, but we are not casting any any aspersions on anybody at this point. Fortunately for both Tom and I, we recovered relatively quickly, but it did linger for longer than I wanted it to. But I was only really sick for about two days or so. So get your boosters. Go do whatever whatever you got to do because again, getting sick is no fun. And if you hear an intermittent cough from me or so, that's still, that's just my souvenir from the Philly show. That's it. That's right. It's still, you know, lingering around even a couple of weeks after that. I'm just scrolling through Twitter. Moxie, M-O space X-I-E, talking about the New York, I think uh, the person was at the Philly show says, um, responded to a tweet that I said, you know, I talked about it being another great gig from Vince Peter Gabriel. I liked, it was a typo. I liked the new material and it keeps growing on me is what I wrote. Moxie talks about, you know, had been to Philly, but talking about liking the new material. Me too, especially after seeing the Philly show. I would have probably cried in New York City when he sung Happy Birthday to Saint and my political hero, Saint Jimmy Carter. So somebody else <laughs> really would have appreciated the Jimmy Carter sing-along there. Yeah, so I think people were overall, I'm just looking on Twitter here. This is our wonderful prep that we do for this show to have everything everything here. So Armin talked about how, that he was amazed how quickly the roadies can uh, dismantle and reassemble that set and all the screens in less than a day. Benoit Imond says, I hope you enjoyed the show as much as I did. A show for the ears, the eyes, the heart, and the brain. Only Peter. Yeah, only Peter can come up with a show like this. Yeah, so that was all. Oh, Moxie hears the show. That show was killer. Peter sells out Philly once again. So great to hear all his new music. Can't wait to get a proper release. Amen <laughs> to a proper release. <laughs> a World of Genesis, Dave Negrin was at Philadelphia also, but we did not run into him. You didn't buy any merch, did you? No, I did not. I bought my t-shirt and tour book. 
And the t-shirt was, I got the one that says this edition is limited because I thought that was a little bit fun to have on a t-shirt. And I got the tour book, which compared to tour books previously for Peter is very wordy. There's actually kind of an intro from Peter in it. There's stuff about the artists who did the art for the different tracks and everything. There's a little bio of each of the musicians, which was great to have. So overall, pretty solid. T-shirt and tour book. Tour book was 30. I think the t-shirt was 50, which, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, are pretty standard prices nowadays for things. Unfortunately. Yeah, I guess. It'd be weird to say fortunately, unless you thought it was going to be $100 and it ended up being 50 or something. Program should stop at 20 bucks. That's my, that's my limit for paying for a tour book. I'd say 25. I think that, you know, 25, I can see t-shirts. T-shirts have been 50 for a long time now, it feels like. so. It does and that's feel still like insane. It is. It is. <laughs> I mean, t-shirts should be no more than 30, I think. You know, I get that it. I'll say 35. Yeah, that's fair enough, too, and everything. <laughs> I'm going to raise you $5. All right, there you go. No, 30, I would agree. 30 is good for, it's not good for a t-shirt, but for a concert t-shirt, yeah, I think that's right. reasonable. Yeah, and and you know that it's where they generate a lot of income and stuff like that. So, no. um, yeah, I know, I know. It's, hey, you know, it's, they got to pay for this somehow, so. Oh, I thought they were paying for it with the high ticket prices, no? Uh, you know, it's... It, <laughs> it, 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 you know. I, well, I want to start down my road of ticket prices. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's... There were there were some comments about that, that the ticket was yeah. price was just unattainable for some fans, which is sad because these are people who have been with the band, um, with the singer for decades, yeah. and, you know, not everyone is in the position to spend 150 250 for a concert ticket, right? which is unfortunate because other artists can and do keep ticket prices low and they have just as ex- extravagant a show as some other artists but so while some can do it and others say they can't i don't know i don't, I don't think that's a good argument but now i'm now you're you have me off on a tangent mike and i want to be right. in a, i want to be in a good mood peter gabriel right. i owe, I owe that's to that's right yes we're going well, we're, let's get into the second set then. second let's, set yes let's here talk we about darkness Again, a track that I didn't need to see played again. <laughs> I thought it was good for the album tour that it came out with, but it's one that doesn't really do anything for me. It has a very dark mood, which I didn't think needed to 
start off the second set, I would have preferred uh, another more, not up track, but I mean another positive track yeah. to start the second set. As you said, Sledgehammer could have been a good second set starter. And it's a track from up that I didn't need to see again. I would have preferred more than this or some other song from, from that. And it, yeah. it just didn't seem to, I don't know. It's a lot to take in as a, yeah, it's a song I liked. Like, I think I liked the song more than you do, but I also do much like digging in the dirt. I wish there was a little bit like just one more section in the song to give it a little bit more variety because I really do like the energy and the power of it when it gets loud. And I like the quiet bits also, but it's that alternate quiet, loud, quiet, loud without kind of a middle part that's a little bit different from both of those pieces. Um, and I can't hear the song without picturing Melanie Gabriel standing there, like swinging the mic back and forth in time to the music during the, <laughs> during the heavy parts. And I don't, I don't know why that's... Yeah, it's just in your head. So I think also, in some ways, I think that first song of the second set is also the reality of the artist knowing that people are still getting back to their seats during that, they're True. rushing back from the bathroom, whatever might be going on. And so it's a little bit of a, not a throwaway song because I think that he put a lot of energy into performing it and having that screen come down. This is one that we can talk about the visual right, presentation yeah. of it. That screen comes down that can kind of display shadows or kind of take images and kind of put it on different eight sections of this long human size plus a foot or two tall scrim at the front of the stage. Like an echo of his image would yeah. go across. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought that was very good. He had like a hat on yes. during this. And yeah, just playing this song. This song was more about the visuals, I think, yes. than the actual tune. Right. And so the visuals, I did like seeing that and what he was going to do with this, like a sectional that goes across the front yeah. of the stage. It was cool. I, I liked it. it. It was something that gave the song a different visual flavor than it's had in the past. And as part of a show, I enjoyed it. And I thought both performances at both nights were pretty solid. And then the screen stays down for the second song of the second set, Love Can Heal, which we just talked about a few weeks ago or a month or so ago, because I think it was the most recent track released before we saw the shows. Right. You reminded me on that episode that this was a track that was played on the Sting and Peter Gabriel song, uh, tour and uh, in a version very similar to this, except for this presentation on that kind of video scrim that he had something in his hand that he could kind of use to kind of create kind of a cloudy smoke on the scrim which was a very cool thing part of me was thinking is he doing that live or has he is this a pre-recorded thing that he knows when to move his hand i think it's with computer tech nowadays i bet it was a live thing that 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 I was leaning towards that yeah. that he was doing this live it was ha as it was happening. Yeah, I thought that this it was very affecting for the song, and there was at one point where there's something like on a field there's a line of the lyric like on a field of green and he makes this line with the smoke that it had been white or kind of a grayish white that turns green in this lyric, and it just is a very simple you know I'll say simple effect. But it really kind of worked for the song for me. So I was happy about that. And I like the song. It's of the quieter songs. It's it's up there with playing for time, I think, for me. Yeah, this this I loved hearing live. I thought, thought it was a great 
version, which we probably heard the same version, but it was yeah. I just <clears throat> love hearing it live. This and the next song, which is another positive song, Road yep. to Joy, which has, you know, a great chorus and yeah. I think was another one that again going from a slower song, quieter song to Road to Joy was a nice transition. joy which has you know a great chorus and yeah i think was another one that again going from a slower song quieter song to road to joy was a nice transition and this is the one where the keyboardist comes out with his guitar i believe <laughs> gotta and, love uh, a guitar uh, of course you know anytime people make fun of the guitar but i always enjoy it whenever i see it i'm like hey here comes the keyboardist yeah. And uh, and that was a lot of fun. And Road to Joy was one of the songs also that stuck in my head post-concert. You know, as we said, I still think it's a it's a cousin of Kiss That Frog, Steam type mm. of thing, mm -hmm. which, again, I'm totally fine with. I am these songs, if they have some shared DNA in my head, no problem with that. Then we go into another classic, Don't Give Up.
which you mentioned digging in the dirt being your pee break. The, uh, don't give up was my merch break at Philly. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. Uh, because a, I'd seen him do this song live before and I knew that getting in and out, assuming that the merch line would be non-existent because it was very long pre-show and during the break, I was like, I can do this. I can buy my t-shirt and tour book and be back before the song is even over. And I was probably back halfway through the song, much like you with Digging in the Dirt. And I was also like, and I'm going to see this full song in New York City. True, true. And so I was, had I not had a second show on the horizon, I might have been a bit more hesitant to leave during any song. But knowing that I had the second song, I was just, a second show, I was just like, yeah, this is fine. Because I, I've said, have I said this before? I like Don't Give Up. I think it's a good song, but had he not played the song, I would not have missed it. But I will say that the singer who is the, and I'm horrible with names, I have the tour book, I should probably reference that. No, I, I pulled it up because good. this is the person we I was yes. going to specifically mention, Ayana Witter-Johnson. Yes. Who also played cello and looks like some piano. And Yeah, yeah she played piano on Io, actually. She came over to Peter's uh keyboard stand and played the piano part on that well i thought she was fantastic yeah. i thought she did uh, just on the whole show she was fantastic but particularly i thought she shined yes and held her own because i mean this is a tough song because you're front yeah. and center you're t you're standing in for kate bush yep you have a lot to live up to in this a song. lot to love to even paula cole who i think yeah. was fantastic on this song yeah i don't know if melanie really pulled her weight on this song Sorry, it, it was it was uh, a different version. Let's just different say. version, but I think of the of the people that I've seen do the other the female version of this, I thought Ayana was fantastic. Yeah. She did amazing job, and I was she glad did. to. Be, I think because of that, when you hear this song from tour to tour, you're actually seeing different versions of it because, in most cases, the female singer is different. So you, you, there's a lot of anticipation. All right, yeah, Peter's sung his verses. Here comes the chorus. Yeah. What's it gonna What's it gonna be like? And then and she knocks it out of the park. She does. Yes. Yeah. Coming back into it that that night at Philly, I was like, and even hearing it because I could still hear it, obviously from from going to buy the merch, it was like, oh, this is a good version of this song. It certainly wasn't a slog for me to get through or anything like that. <laughs> like, like again, it's it's one of those songs that when I hear it, I'm happy to hear it, but I don't need to hear it. And so that's you know we all have songs like that in different ways, and so. And for me, you know, that's what Don't Give Up is. It's, it's just one of those ones that if I never heard it live again, I'd be okay. Much like some other songs in the set that we'll talk about a little bit later. But yeah, I, I thought that her vocals on this track, and again, spoiler alert, this whole episode is a spoiler. You know, she also does vocals, prominent vocals on uh, In Your Eyes later on. And I think that was, you know, again, another spotlight for her. She was, of the new musicians, she was the standout musicians, musician, or the extra musicians other than the core, Tony Levin, David Rhodes, Manu Kache. Richard Evans, Evans is a great utility player, but he doesn't kind of stand out in some mm. ways. Uh, I thought the trumpet player was kind of the second standout, and the female violinist was great, but, she, but it wasn't like, she wasn't in your face about anything. She just did her job up there and did well with it and was a great part of the ensemble. Like, they were all a great part of the ensemble, but but specifically, Iona was her name. and Iona? Iona and the trumpet player <coughs> were the standouts for me. The keyboard player who with his guitar was great, too, 
but he also did something that I was not happy with later. So I'll just mention that later on. As long as, you know, they're playing with Peter, we might as well name drop them. Yes. Uh, obviously, the band was Tony Levin, David Rhodes, Manu Kachi. Also, as as Mike mentioned, Richard Evans on guitar, and he uh, did have some flute in there. Ayana Witter-Johnson on cello, piano, and vocals. Mariana Moore was the other violin, viola. Josh Shapak, S-H-P-A-K. He was a trumpet. Uh, he also did a French horn at one point. Yes, at yeah. one point, keys and vocals. And Don McLean on keyboards. Not the American <laughs> Pie right. person, but a different Don McLean. Yeah, exactly. All excellent musicians, all great additions to the team. Just little fine, little bits of fine tuning I might have done for for one thing later on, but I'll, I'll, we'll talk about that when we talk about in your eyes. There's a little teaser for everybody, but yeah, don't give up. Fantastic version is happy to happy to have seen it. She did great with it. it was all thumbs up. But then we jump into one of your favorite new songs, Tom, <laughs> "The Court." Again, one that I was checked it off my list to see it live. But if, you know, I had to pick songs from IO that I wanted to hear live, this wouldn't have been on the list. And it. again, it was the visuals, I think, mirrored a lot of what we had seen on the artwork for the song with the fire. And yeah, and this is kind of the Wicker Man fire type. of thing. Yeah. yeah, it's a very similar to Darkness, where you have a lot of loud parts and then you have some quiet parts. So it's it just didn't seem like it was necessary. Yeah. I really liked this live, but I think my critique of the song still stands from the episode when we talked about it was that I wish the bits were longer. Mm. Like just as I'm getting into the kind of verse, it's like it then ends and it goes into and the court, you know, and, and I'm like, if each of those sections were like double the length, it would give me a chance to to really get into it. But it's a little bit too quick and it's a little bit too choppy. And and so I I liked the song and I liked the wicker man kind of kind of visuals of burning this uh this wicker shaped thing. I was surprised visually that that film of that burning was almost like on a screen in the middle of the screens versus being the entire back wall of the screen. And I was like, they can certainly display things on the entire wall at one time. I was curious why it was focused almost like on this small movie theater, not movie theater, but small like AV club type of screen behind the drummer and everything instead of being on the full video wall. You mean like on the, the Pink Floyd like circle? No, the, the wall the, the, the wall behind it on in the, the one that would segment out sometimes. Like, oh right. They okay. could have they could have had the that video be big against the background of everybody, but it was very small because it was only on this little little screen. And I I think even in, in the course of the shows, I was like, oh, this should be on the full video wall to really make an impact. And it just it wasn't as impactful as I think it could have been. But again, I liked the song. I thought it was, you know, I was happy to see it both nights. So thumbs up for that. But then we transition into another oldie, oldie and a goodie, Red Rain.
and I will always enjoy hearing him in this song. Yes. Uh, he can play this every show, and I would not be upset. I mean, just from the opening, when you know it's coming, because it has such a fantastic introduction, mm-hmm. the visuals, obviously, is going to be a lot of red. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Tony, and I love that little, how they extend kind of the passage between verses a little bit longer yeah. when they do this live. And it just always is a fantastic, because it's got a fantastic intro. It's got a solid closer mm-hmm. where it's not just a fade out that they make a closer at, for the live version of it where it's just him again closing it out i just love it every time and it's a fantastic drum showcase for manu too just yes. because he can kind of go nuts on this track in in different ways and so <laughs> you know it's it's and i noticed like a lot of the quote-unquote older songs during the course of the show were the big numbers from so and it's kind of like, okay, I'm giving you a lot of new material here. So with the old strats, I'm going to be very selective about playing the stuff that everybody's going to know so that people can get, kind of make sure that they're engaged with the show moving forward. And Red Rain was certainly one of those. I'm sure that we discussed it as, as a possible track to be played, but, but when he went into it, I was almost surprised by it. And it was like, oh yeah, Red Rain, this is a great track. So happy to have heard it there. Thumbs and, up. Yeah, thumbs up all around. And then the next song called And Still, which was a new song that had had not and still has not been released yet. So maybe it'll be the, the next, maybe it'll be the October full moon track. Uh, what'd you think of this track? Uh, this was the one that he dedicated to his mother. Correct, correct? yes. I th- remember discussing this on, I think, the ride back from Philly mm-hmm. of the three new songs he did that we hadn't heard before. This is Home and Still and then one that's coming up. Mm-hmm thought this was my favorite okay even though i can't remember a note what it sounds like <laughs> sure in I, the moment it was your favorite sure in the moment i think it was my favorite and i guess it'll be the full moon release in either october or november Hopefully, yeah or december yeah <laughs> yeah because we still got yeah there's still a couple tracks to come out yeah. so here's the thing i'll say i liked this track but when he dedicated it dedicated it to his mom I was like, well, I just lost my mom this year and, and my dad. So mm. so is this going to hit me? And it didn't. And it, it I was kind of looking for an emotional reaction. And and it came up a little short. And again, maybe, maybe when I listen to the studio version, maybe I'll cry like a baby. Who knows? <laughs> and we'll record that. Exactly. I will, I will make sure to live stream that on YouTube or something. <laughs> but I think that of the three songs that we hadn't heard, this is probably my number three, mainly because with that intro, I was looking to get something from this I didn't get. And I appreciate that. I, I thought it was a kind of a, a mirror image song of Father Son, whereas obviously mm. Father Son was a song that Peter wrote to slash for his father. And this can be the equivalent song for his mother which I 100% appreciate and 100% support. But I'm just saying for my emotional reaction, it didn't hit me the way, it didn't hit me on either night the way that I thought it would. Do you think it would have hit differently if he hadn't, if he just played it without setting it up, without prefacing it with a song about his mother? That's an interesting His mother's yeah. not alive. His mother's not alive. No, she, I think he... she must have passed away. They both, well, both his parents lived into their, into their 90s. Yeah. So, and I think they were around for a long time, but uh, it must have been fairly recently in the last 10 years or so. Had I, with that, 
I, yeah, I think it's maybe well, you didn't hear that I'm thinking about this <laughs> by my blathering. When somebody says this is a song about my mother and I'm kind of putting my own emotions to it, yeah, that sets up an expectation that maybe it's a too high expectation at that point. So yeah, maybe if I had heard this without that intro, it might have might have hit me a little bit differently. And also, I'm sitting in public. I'm sitting with people around me and stuff like that. <laughs> right. Maybe my maybe my body is not set up to have that emotional reaction. Which is why I'm saying like when when I hear the studio version of this and can listen to it, whether it's on my stereo system or through headphones or whatever, I may have a very different reaction to this. And I and I will be honest about what that reaction is too. So overall, happy happy to have heard it. I I look forward to actually hearing it quote unquote for real on excuse me on a studio version of that yes yeah and then we segue again from a dead mom song right maybe <laughs> maybe not a dead mom song but a mom song into big time which was fun which was fun i enjoyed it uh, i think i, I yes. put it in the category with you if it's played i'll enjoy it yep. but i didn't need to hear it i think we've chosen before talked about other set list choices where like if you're going to do two up horn songs from so mm -hmm. do sledgehammer or do big time but i don't think you need to do them both right and yeah. i i would have been happy to give this four or five minutes to a, a different song in this catalog than right. big time like a song that you know we've gotten the up song from so we don't need it twice again i enjoyed it i, yeah. I think i was probably on my feet with a lot of other people yeah. Yeah. Your, your probably thoughts are same, similar. Yep, same thing. I would have switched this track out with like, I don't remember or shot them. If you want to go with a popular song, shot the monkey or something like okay, that. Or games without frontiers. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah. Another kind of decently well-known, slightly older song that would kind of give you something. Even, even a song like steam would have, could have been played here True. and would have had the same vibe. Maybe not quite as big a reaction as big time, because again, Big Time is probably better known than any of those other songs. But I think that a different type of up, get them on their feet type of song at this point from an older album, I would have been 100% fine with that. And I, again, yeah. I would not have missed Big Time if it, if it had not. But I liked it. What Both nights, it, it is a good part of the song, good part of the set. That, that might have been my second set, Bathroom Break. Got it. Yeah. Big Time, just because I know what I was going to get and I'd seen it played many times so i figured okay now's a good time everyone's in their seat no one's really leaving for this song yeah exactly you know you're you're gonna get in and out of that bathroom pretty quick so. <laughs> very quick you got to think about that too so. i mean there was a bulge in my big 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 <laughs> bladder bladder <laughs> exactly so <laughs> now the next track is is the third and final new song that we hadn't heard called maybe a response to paul mccartney live and let live <laughs> More positive than Live and exactly, Let Die. Exactly. Which this, I, I liked this song a lot. I think that of the new songs, this was my number one. And it was, unless I said that uh, This Is Home was my number one. In which case, this is pretty, it, it, if it's not number one, it's very short behind there, very close behind there. Because it, it was, again, a very positive message. I thought the second half of this song had a real lift to it that took the audience along for the ride. So again, I look forward to hearing the studio version of this. I don't remember much about it. I mean, I just remember, I think it was a third favorite of mine of the new stuff, but I look forward to really diving into it and, and giving it its due listen. Yeah, it's easier then to really kind of 
listen to the lyrics and kind of get the the quote-unquote message of the song at that point when we hear it in that studio version not a lot to say about it because i liked it it was positive look forward to hearing it more and then we end the second set with salisbury hill the song of the set probably I, i'm gonna go out on a limb i'm trying to find according to set list fm one of my favorite sites they say that he's played this song 810 times and i bet he's played live 810 times you know i <laughs> i can't imagine there's well, a i mean peter that's gabriel, what they're talking about right, yeah. right yeah i can't imagine there's a peter gabriel show that he has not played this song at. right this is kind of his i know what i like yeah. Where even in the later years he brings it out as an as an older tune and yeah. and the crowd goes nuts for it. Yeah. And you know, I it's again, I enjoyed hearing it. I know I'm, I'm going to hear it. Right. And I enjoyed it. And I think I would be disappointed if he didn't play it. Yes. Because it, because it is such a moment and I what I like about it again, it's it's the small kind of audience participation, everybody doing the boom 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 line and everything. Mm-hmm. Like if if you've been to Gabriel songs shows before, you know that's the time to to participate. And I'm I'm a sucker for group participation in those <laughs> in songs like that. So that works for me. I, I am happy to be a mindless drone in the audience participating at those moments. And I think this is one that does have to come later in the set list. Like, you know, Sledgehammer came earlier, but this I think you need to play the whole night, get the crowd on your side. Not that yeah. they weren't, but like <laughs> to get them involved And big time came before this. So the crowd's used to joining in. And when, by the time this comes on, it's just a real big crowd pleaser. And yeah. I'm up there on my feet doing the boom, boom, boom. <laughs> very, very yeah. well done. Again, I don't think it needs. It's Salisbury tr- Hill. You know, it's, it's Salisbury like, Hill. Yeah. It's you like- don't need to see him riding around on a bicycle or doing <laughs> other stuff like just him up there enjoying it and yeah. bringing out what what is i guess his first single yes. you know from yeah. his solo career so it, it kind of is a nice full circle moment yeah, exactly so it's a popular song 
it's used at one point, I think in the nineties or two, early two thousands, it was used in every other movie pr- uh, yeah. preview that was out there, especially if it was about a young boy coming of age. Uh, yeah. It was or just, making a, a life changing yes. decision or <laughs> exactly. Move. Yeah. It works in that moment and it's great. So yeah. So Salisbury Hill positive band leaves the stage obligatory oh cheer for five minutes while the band you know (laughs) does their own pee break or whatever they need to do and then they come out back out to in your eyes during that break jokingly i stand and i put my arms folded (laughs) no i'm not doing it i'm not clapping i don't want them to come back out because i know they are so it's just me having fun with myself going no don't do it don't come back stop clapping everyone that's right settle down everybody (laughs) we want total silence we want polite respect at this time of the show we want them to come back out but we are going to wait patiently for them to make the decision themselves and then you hear that, that yeah, the kind of drum loop type rhythm, yeah. yeah, and you know what's coming, yeah, and everyone roars their approval, and yeah. I always love that intro that it gives to the live version of In Your Eyes yeah, that exactly. is not on the studio version, and it's a good setup for what's coming, a uh, good prelude, yep, and it has again the audience participation of the oh of everybody yep. kind of raising their arms, the little dance numbers you know the old man dance moves that gabriel and tony levin and and david rhodes do during this kind of little back and forth that they do you know it's all it's all stuff they've done for years and it's the little things like that that just kind of make me smile and go ah it's a peter gabriel show you know you can't not do this song exactly yeah and and i'm 100 percent fine with that because again it's a great song it's a great song at the end of the set now i mentioned the one thing that i didn't like that the keyboardist that Don McLean did is that from back in the day when this was on video, the live at Athens show, the first time I really saw or heard this extended version of it after the kind of break halfway, three quarters of the way through the song and Gabriel reprises that kind of quote unquote new bit of lyric that isn't in the original song. And it kind of falls down and then, at the time, it was David Sanchez comes in with piano and it's this kind of like a very high thing. Keyboardist comes in with a very low thing with a bit of scat singing to it. I was just like, oh no, this is this is not <laughs> this does not work for me, and and I felt you the, really you had, the, you had the slow motion, no, oh, exactly. <laughs> it it just was, and I I was just like, oh maybe just because I love that that sound of the high piano there so much, and just because to me in that version of it, it's like encapsulated joy, 
Mm-hmm. And yes. And I think that in Don McLean's version of it, he is he's joyful with it. it. It is a happy moment. He's not playing dark and depressing chords or whatever. It's just that to me, it just, it, it doesn't fit the song. And then it passes and then we're back and everybody going in your eyes and, and it's it, fine. It passes like, it passes like a kidney stone and then exactly. the song comes then back. The song comes back and you're happy. So I'm like, yeah. but it was just the, it, to me, and I might've even said this to you on the drive back from Philly. It was the, it was the one tiny musical misstep of the night. for me. It's just, it just one of those things that I'm just going to say that did not work. And, mm. you know, sorry, everything else, you know, again, I'm Mr. Positivity here. You know, I really like, I do like a lot of this stuff. I am, I am a fan of Peter Gabriel, surprisingly. You like him. I know. He's a good guy. And, um, and yeah. Well, the, the one uh, I watched a little bit of, I forget which, which show it was from, but a little of them doing In Your Eyes from this tour on okay. YouTube. And it's funny to, during the part where they go, and all my instincts jump, mm-hmm. they return, yep. jump. So this is when David, Tony, and Peter do this little shuffle. Yeah, right. And if you compare how they did it on the So Tour, where the <laughs> jump, the jump, they get some airtime when they yes. do that jump. Compared to what they do now, it's a little like a side shuffle. Yes. Like they're just moving their feet side to side, and you're yeah. like, "This was uh, age. Age is a horrible thing." <laughs> years ago, I think it was maybe even going back to the 2003 tour, which was not the first time I saw Peter, but. But was, I think, the second time I saw Peter. One of the friends I went with, kind of, and Gabriel was probably in his 50s at that point, very early 50s. And he said that that Gabriel at this point will do discrete packets of rock during the course of the night <laughs> because he has to conserve his energy. And that's kind of because he's older. He's not a young man anymore. And now being in his early 70s, again, it's that discrete packets of rock that come out through the show, like with digging in the dirt, like with dark like with even with sledgehammer you know and and with this song you know again this is not necessarily your heavy rock song but yeah he's not quite the moves are not quite the same as they were but if we're a 71 year old guy he's still moving around the stage he's still kind of getting people on their feet happy time i i was mad that at the merch uh they were charging 15 dollars for discrete packets of rock which i think <laughs> exactly. they should 10 dollars at the most for those i think so that that's a reasonable price to pay for a discrete packet of rock so so then they do their final bows because at that point if the final song is what people think it might be traditionally at a peter gabriel song it's not a song that you can kind of do the bows at the end because everybody walks off stage one one by one during Vika. Thank you. 
not sound like a dick when I talk about this song. <laughs> I know it because, <laughs> because of the subject matter. Yeah, and I, I was saying to, to to a friend after the show where I was like, I a hundred percent agree with the sentiment of this song. I I am politically aligned with it. I you know agree with with the with Peter's support of human rights and all this yes. stuff. And if I never heard Beto again at the end of a concert, I'd be fine with that. I, I'd be fine with that too. I love the song. Yeah. I, I love, love it. Listening. I love it in the moment too. It's like when they're playing it, I'm fine with it. But if he did something different at the end, like a come talk to me, I'd be good. Sorry for interrupting you. Yeah. No, no. And it's just, I get it. Biko came out in 1980. Yeah. Stephen Biko died in 1977. Yeah. I believe September. It could have been, yes. So. <laughs> you know, when he was doing this, I mean, this was still fresh in yeah. people's minds and, and history-wise, but uh, again, I can't say this without sounding like a dick, but it's almost like doing a song about those who died at Pearl Harbor <laughs> now. It's like yeah. <laughs> you can get behind it to a certain point, and I'm sure a song like that would have been very touching in 1945 or, or 1950 even, but we're 40 six years yeah. removed from Biko and not to say anything bad about that. He was a great, you know, human rights yeah. advocate and, and, you know, his death was brought about revolution and change. And Peter was great to take up the cause and, yeah. and spread about it. But I, just from a, a concert perspective, they obviously they put a picture of him in the big yeah. Pink Floyd <laughs> screen. I was wondering how did, do people know who that was? Do they associate, do they even know who Stephen Biko is? Like yeah. we do because we're Peter Gabriel fans. And, we're Peter know, Gabriel yeah. fans but and history fans. Here's where you and I can be tour consultants and we can make the big bucks <laughs> for this because, because yes. how we can fix this is that <laughs> is that Gabriel, if he does like his little spoken introduction to this song about, you know, human rights and this is about a man, Stephen Biko and everything. And there are people still today fighting for human rights and people over the last 50 years who have lost their lives for human rights. Because during this song, the really only visual that they put up is that picture of Stephen Biko. But if they did pictures of other human rights people, you don't even need to know who they are. People who are fighting for human rights now, who died in, in the line of it, or didn't even die in the line of it. That will make it a bit more universal. So yes, it's still about Stephen Biko, but it is also about the movement as a whole, which is back... In the 80s and 90s, Peter would perform this. I remember this video that he would perform it in a straitjacket and would say, this is for, you know, the people fighting, for, you know, in Chile or in Argentina or, or wherever and would and would kind of make it a bit more general to the idea. And so, Peter, go back to that idea of presenting the song versus just about making it just about Stephen Biko. Right. I think I would be 100% on board with that. Like use the screens, yeah. use the visuals to represent not just Stephen Biko, include Stephen Biko yes, obviously because exactly. the song yeah. is about this, but show the man standing in front of the tanks in Tiananmen Square. Yes, right. Show like there is no shortage of visuals of people yes. fighting oppression and trying to make a stand and make positive change. Right. Like use that in a whole montage that can last from the beginning of the song to the end and I think that would drive home yeah. and be very powerful visually. Too. That would be very emotional. I mean, I, I could see myself having witnessed, you know, at least in my lifetime, people trying to fight back and have 
stark memories of that. Yeah. If there was a montage of that, I could see myself getting a lump in the throat yeah. by the end of the song and really putting my hand up with tears yeah. in my eyes. Whereas the way that it was presented now doesn't do that. So I think that's where my negativity comes from. Not that it's a bad song or a bad message, but it's just, as you said, it could be the potential to present this song in a modern way wasn't fulfilled. And I think that's what disappointed me. Yeah. I bet that in Peter's mind, he's probably bringing it back to the core of what the song is about, that he doesn't want to just forget about Stephen Biko. And I think what we're saying is that you don't have, it's not an either or situation. It's a both and situation. You can do both include Stephen Biko and all these other people and even end with that image of, of Stephen Biko you know, in that center screen and on the side screens and everything. And so it, it ends with the focus on him, but throughout the song, it could be both him and others throughout it. So again, didn't ruin the song for me or anything like that. Again, I think it is a classic Gabriel end of set track. Like I get that, you know, it's, it, it fits at the end and it's a good message to leave people on. And it does have that, you know, audience participation of people doing the uh 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 although it's it is tiring to keep that up for as long as the <laughs> song goes on for. But it's again, that's maybe the age of the audience showing too. But Well, I I switched arms. Yeah, exactly. You know, you gotta you gotta know? mix it up a little bit. You know, I varied it up. Your aerobic activity there. So just going back to what the visuals and, and how they could make it different, I I'm just reminded again, referencing the wall show by Roger Waters sure. during the song Vera he would show clips on the big wall screen of soldiers coming home and surprising their loved ones and the emotion that there was that 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 entailed and i saw that show four times and every single time that got me yeah. when emotionally when he showed that and i'm like that's the power of music that you wouldn't normally associate but he's he's not just showing a picture of vera lynn up on the screen it's <laughs> it's, sure. it's it's using it to set the stage for these other emotional things. I think Peter could have done that with this song. And I said, it would have been 10 times more powerful than it, than it was. So Peter, we're, we're looking to help you out here, Peter. We're not, (laughs) we're not, we're not just critiquing for, you know, negativity's sake. You know, we, I think that again, we're positive guys. We want to be, you know, proactive about these things. And I actually did. I don't think, no, if I ever mentioned this on the podcast, I went to a book signing that Peter did. He wrote this introduction to this book, Reverberation, Reverberation, that is actually talked about in the tour book. It's about, you know, music being used in a lot of different ways in society. And I got him to sign the book and I gave him a little tabletop Genesis business card. And I said, oh, we do a podcast about the band, about you and the band and everything. Here's a little card about it. And he was like, oh, thanks. And just put it in his pocket. <laughs> it probably got lost somewhere. And, you know, but I was like, I, I, I at least made Peter Gabriel aware of the existence of tabletop Genesis. So, for a brief shining a brief moment. moment we have not gotten any any phone calls or emails from him yet at this point but peter was still waiting so we're welcome to have you on the tabletop at any time those phone lines are open exactly so um so it, it, we talked about come talk to me as being a, a possible closing song do you have any other closers that would work for you that would be a good final song other than maybe you know using in your eyes as a final song Nothing that comes to mind. I'm trying to go through the albums in my head. Yeah, In Your Eyes actually would have been a, a good closing song. Mm-hmm. Come Talk to Me, that's a good one. 
Yeah, that's as yeah. kind of it. Even I, even Biko with better visuals would have right. been a good yeah. closing song. I could actually see something like Games Without Frontiers being a good closing song. You can put out a message with that at the same time. And he's rearranged that song numerous times for live arrangements. And, I, and I'd be curious to see what, if he does a more up version of it or a more kind of classic version of it or a mix of the two. I think that you could do a lot of different things with that song. So um, I, I think that would have been a great set two opener. Mm, sure. Yeah. Cause it's got that nice intro where people can start getting back to their seats and they extend that a little bit, you know, they make the guitars yeah. a little bit more present. So that that's where I would have put that. And, and the live version of that, I think from like the so tour and a little bit up, after that has that kind of almost like horn sounding keyboard, like that they, they make it a little bit more. Yes. Up. And having an actual trumpet player out there, that could have been a good spotlight for him. So again, Peter, if you're listening, lost we're, opportunities. This, is all con- this is all constructive That's criticism right. for, the, <laughs> for the next leg of the tour. It's, you know, if he actually does go out, like I was viewing this, it, it certainly was not billed this way, but I was thinking like, this may be the last time I see Peter could be. Gabriel alive again, just because it takes him so long to do things in some of the song announcements he made it sound like kind of like oh when we come around he, he never said when we come around again but it was almost like well next time or you know the next project and you know he's he's not stopping which is a good thing and so yeah there is certainly you know paul mccartney's if he's not 80 already he's up there and he just toured too so it's like there is certainly history of older artists still continuing touring into later years i think tony levin is 77 or something like that. yeah so, i was surprised at that i didn't think he was that old yeah so but well because he's looked the same because <laughs> for the last he has. You know, 30 40 years at something he's a benjamin button up there exactly so i would say overall thumbs up for the show in general big thumbs up for the show our quibbles are just that they are quibbles they are minor things you know but again if if for us, this is what would make the show even better. And if you guys out there listening, ladies and gentlemen of all different ages and stripes and backgrounds, if you have any ideas about what you would change about the show, tell us. Let us know. We're going to do a breakdown kind of yes. of tracks just for the default set list. There's 22 songs, yeah. 11 new songs, okay. and 11 old songs, okay. which is That's half very, and half. Yeah. It's half and half, which is very surprising. Of the new tracks, I probably would have pared that down to about five or six, which is, which is even, I think for legacy artists, that's a lot of new songs to play, even five or six. So 11 is, I, I would have gone with, if I had my druthers, <laughs> I would have picked Panopticon, IO, Playing for Time, mm-hmm. Olive Tree, Love Can Heal, and Road to Joy. Okay. So that's six. Those are the six that I would have picked. Yeah. And leave and give those extra five to older songs. Okay. I would say I, I would go up to eight and I might bump out the three songs that have not been released yet. Or maybe keep Live and Let Live and get rid of Four Kind of Horses, you know, but that's, you know, I could go back and forth with that type of thing, you know. So it's kind of like I'm playing a bunch of new stuff that, again, even with releasing it, most of you haven't heard, but at least I'm going to get released the stuff that you've had the opportunity to hear. Yeah, um, but then again, some people, you know, back in, who would have killed to be back in in an audience when Pink Floyd was doing Dark Side of the Moon before it was Dark Side of the Moon? 
Right. You know, it's like I saw some there was some commentary I saw on Facebook where it was like, oh, yeah, all this new music. I don't know why he's doing all this new music. And it's like, well, appreciated that he's a 70 some year old artist, 72 year old artist who is still willing to put himself on the line and put out all this new music, knowing that the audience is probably there 95% of it to hear the old material. Right. And you look at obviously the band we love the most, they played all of the lamb before it was yes, yeah, released was, yeah. at least a couple of shows. And you know, if you were a huge fan of selling and Foxtrot yeah. and earth to crime, you got watcher and musical box. That's yeah, it on exactly. that tour. Right. If you were a huge Pink Floyd fan, when the wall came out, you got nothing on yeah, that tour before other wall. than the wall. Yeah. That was it. So this is not a new concept, but uh, maybe because just times have changed. And yeah. Well, it's it's, a, it's what they call legacy artists nowadays, where, where the expectation is that you go out and play the hits. And, you know, I'm actually going to go see Yes tonight. And they have a new album out that's pretty good. And I expect to hear one, maybe two songs from it. And that's probably it. They're not going to be playing five songs out of the eight or whatever on the new album or whatever. So, you know, and that album's actually out. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's a strange, a strange idea for Mr. Gabriel. But and yes, is a band that in some ways I would think, yeah, take a risk. You know, your fan base is going to come along with you and kind of do mm-hmm. that type of stuff. listen to an album they've actually had a chance to hear, if nothing else. So, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I would have. You know, we were talking, I think, after the fact that Intruder might have been a, a good song to hear from as a classic song, replacing one of the new songs. I think, like we talked about, Come Talk to Me, I could, again, I could see that replacing Deco at the end as an emotional lift to the to the, the album. I still, you know, I still pull for more Bun the Burgermeister, even though I know it's never going to be played. <laughs> the 11 old songs that he played, yes. only two of them were before 1986. Right. And that's Salisbury Hill Salisbury and Biko. So everything else was either was either from So, yeah. Us, or Up. Yep. Again, I, I would have changed up that a little bit. I don't think five songs from So needed to be played, maybe three. Yeah. Go back to Peter Gabriel four, three, yeah. two. Yeah. <laughs> Just change it up a little bit, make it make it play maybe two songs from every album or something. But I'd like to hear yeah, I Have the a... Touch. I don't think I've ever heard yeah. I Have the Touch live. You know, right. and that's a song with energy that could be done, you know in the same arrangement or differently, you know, you change it up and everything. So there was, there was at least one track that was uh, introduced for a concert or two, right? Some... Yes. Yeah, so this is, this goes into my train spotting yes. Excel sheet. All right. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about train spotting. And, and I'm not, I'm, I, unfortunately I'm not making a joke when I say Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> so I just kind of looked at the set list that he played since the first show in Poland okay. back in May there were a couple of deviations from the default set list that we talked about tonight. He did play for the first several shows after and still, and before big time, he played what lies ahead, which is a song that has not been released. And is, as far as we know, not slated to be on IO. Okay. Was that, that, that wasn't released in the last couple of years as like part of a soundtrack or anything like that. Perhaps I'd have to do more digging. Yeah, I, I An actual, I'd have to do some research before a show. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> I mean, it, the title sounds vaguely familiar, but maybe I just remember seeing it in a quick thing about the summertime European shows or something. Uh, the other anomaly or the mm-hmm. one-offs that he did was that in all the shows he did in Germany and the one he did in Zurich, okay. 
He didn't open with Washing of the Water. He did Here Comes the Flood in German. He did Yet's Comte Flute. Uh, I still, that is one of the, one of In my, German. I know. I, I would listen to it in German. I, I have never <laughs> seen that song live, and I would love to see him play that live. I would have loved to see it. I would have even given up hearing Washing the Water to hear that right. in German. Yeah. In Deutschland mm-hmm. or in Zurich. Yeah. In Denmark mm-hmm. on May 30th. Okay. He replaced and still with so much. So much, right. That's one of the the newer songs that was the newer not played tracks. live. No, and that was the only show he he's done that for. Okay. So maybe he just figured he tried that for one show and then he replaced it back with and still. So right. yeah. And then the only other different song that I saw him play was in addition to the show he did September twenty fifth in Columbus. Okay. After This Is Home and before Sledgehammer, he added The Tower That Ate People, okay. which is from Ovo. Right. I would have been excited to hear that song. Yeah. That's a, that's a, it's a good uh, song, yeah. Pumping and he hard did, song. He's that, done yeah. it as encore in the Back to Front show. Like It's, it's a song with a live history. But ever since uh, September 25th, looks like he's defaulted to the yeah. default set list. So maybe there, maybe there'll be, I think the tour is kind of wrapping up in October Yeah, uh, with a few more shows. Maybe he'll do something different, but yeah. as you know, it is, well, this, this set list works. Like I do think that there's a good flow to this of two to three new songs and then an old song and then another two to three new songs. And it's like, there's, there's a rhythm to it that keeps the audience engaged. And, you know, I did wonder, I think in our, pre-tour chat about you know is he gonna play all the new music up front like a pink floyd does at times you know where they do the first set momentary lapse of reason or division bell type of stuff and then second set of classic material and i'm kind of glad he didn't do it that way because i think it would have been a lot of it would have felt like homework having a lot of new music Mm. to digest all in in a block and then having all the the goodies at the end and everything i think this was this is nice. This is a, here's a couple of new songs. Okay, here's a song you know. Here's a couple of new songs. Here's a song you know. Now, do we want more of the old songs that we know? Sure. But but as an artist, I'm happy that he's still really privileging the new stuff. And if he tours in 24, well, we'll go see it again. Yeah, and I'd be very excited to see him again and to see how, like he did in 2002, 2003, he switched up the up shows yeah. from you know an in the round to... An end stage, uh, maybe he'll do something different here. Like he's gotten all the new stuff out mm-hmm. on tour. Maybe he'll we- weed it down to the stuff that he enjoyed playing live and throw in some more different old songs. So hopefully that happens. I, uh, I would like to see him do more of a career retrospective tour. Not saying it has to be all stuff from the first four albums or something, but play at least one track from every album. And, and bill it as, you know, deep cuts, you know, whatever, so that people know <laughs> what they're getting. Because, you know, my mentality is like for some of these people, again, who maybe haven't even dove into the first couple albums, you know, if they played Perspective or DIY or Mother of Violence, mm. that would be just as much of a new song as and, as, as and Still or The Court is. So it's still just material that, yeah, it might be old material that 20% of the audience knows, but there's a good chunk that doesn't know that stuff. So you choose the stuff that, you know, you can that will grab an audience. Anyway. Well, I think thumbs up yeah. and we'll be there again. And, happy and to have gone. Happy. Yes. 
And speaking of solo Genesis members, yes. coming up next for us. Yes, is Steve Hackett at Town Hall in New York on October, Saturday the 13th, I believe it is. And I know it's 14th, a Saturday, 14th. Saturday the 14th. Okay, Saturday yeah. the 14th. I knew it was a Saturday. I couldn't remember the, the date. And so, yeah, just less than two weeks from now, we will be there. We're, you know, on the floor. I think we're about five or six rows back from the front or so. Uh, maybe a little bit more than that. I forget exactly where the tickets are. But we will probably meet up somewhere near um, there beforehand. We'll probably leave a little bit early because we have a little bit of a meetup planned with some people. And then we will see people. If you're going to that town hall show, let us know. We'll put it out wherever we're going to try to get to beforehand. Then there's the Loser's Lounge the week after that. And then I think that's it for kind of Genesis-related concerts for this year. And uh, the Hackett is the Foxtrot at 50 show. It is, Plus yes. highlights. And I don't know if you saw, he just announced his 24 tour, which will be Lamb Lamb hits. highlights, yeah. Lamb highlights, yeah. Because yeah. it's the 50th anniversary of that album. <laughs> And Steve is the Energizer Bunny. He just keeps on going, keep on going and going. So. And it will be, I, I do hope that he plays a couple different Lamb things than he played before. Like in the early Genesis Revisited, he played the Lamia. And I'm not saying play the Lamia again, but I still um, don't know why Steve or Genesis doesn't play back in New York City every time they play New York City. To me, yeah, that's a sucker that's... punch of, of a song <laughs> where it's like, we have your city in the name of the song. Mm -hmm. It's like, why don't we play this? But, you know, alas, no. But play some songs like that or play, play Colony of Slippermen, which I've never seen the full version of that. Chamber song. of 32 Doors. Yeah. Some I'd be of, very happy yeah, with. Yeah, some, some different things. You know, when it's selections from Lamb, I think, okay, that's going to be half the album. Meaning like, it'll be like the Foxtrot tour playing 45 minutes or so. But he's not going to play Silent Sorrow and Empty boat, Boats or anything like that. You know, or maybe he will. I don't know. But yeah, play it. You know, that's uh, to do some diff <laughs> do some different stuff. I think he had a big hand in Cuckoo Cocoon. Or maybe have he can do his own version of In the Cage. You know, that's, yeah. uh, you know, again, the Genesis uh, that made that they turned it into a classic on their side of things. You know, he can do his, you know, version that's maybe a little bit closer to the album version. Or, or is his own unique modern take on these things? I don't want it to be a museum show. I want it to be no. do it the way his band does it nowadays, utilizing Rob Townsend in different ways. Yeah. So you can look forward to our constructive criticism in exactly. 2024 yeah. of The Lamb Show. Exactly. <laughs> so we'll do that, and we'll, we'll talk about The Steve Show once it's all done. We will be equal opportunity Genesis tour chat stuff. So... We're going to get back as this uh, monthly song chat for Peter Gabriel winds down as and as we get maybe some news about an actual album release. We'll also get back into doing our own album reviews and we've been putting out feelers to some people and chatting. Tom and I have been chatting about what to do next and we will be moving forward apace with our monthly re release schedules, our plan going into, hard to believe it, 2024. 2024. Yep. It's going to be not sore in 24. You know, what are those graduation things like? Looking fine in 89. <laughs> you know, what are some things you can come up with for 24? Audience, think of that. Story. Audience, tell us. Exactly. All right. So, Tom, anything else to wrap it up or are we good to go? I think we're good. All right. So, this is Mike Lord. And Tom Roche. And this has been Tabletop Genesis talking about Genesis, Peter Gabriel. Genesis, Genesis, Genesis. Genesis.
Thank you. Now we get some help from our friends from Dakar. On percussion, Babakar and Hassan. And the king of Dakar himself, the incredible voice of Yusundar. No one 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Tabletop Genesis. Archived episodes can be found at tabletopgenesis.com, along with updates, polls, and various other podcast-related news. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes to have shows automatically downloaded to your computer when we post new episodes. To keep up with all the Tabletop Genesis activity, follow us on Twitter at Genesis Tabletop. You can like us on Facebook by searching for Tabletop Genesis, and you can email us directly at genesistabletop at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the podcast or send us questions we can address on future episodes. Stare again Till there's nothing left out oh, 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 it remains left in your eyes Whatever comes and goes Oh
Thank you. Thank you.